Good morning and extend Christian greetings to each of you this morning. Good to see each of you here. God bless you for being here. I trust that our time can be an inspiration to each of you. Do want to extend my thanks also for the gift basket that we received as a family. God bless you and also the generosity of the recent ministerial offering. Thank you so much for that. That is a blessing. Jason read from Genesis chapter 1, familiar passage, and we hear this story over and over, or we know about the creation. Do we understand it? Do we believe it? Is it truth? I don't plan to, to necessarily have a message on creation, but consider what Psalm 8, 4, and 5 says, the psalmist there said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. This morning, the message I am reflecting, or thinking of reflecting God's image. What did God have in mind when he created us? What does it mean to be created in his image. And I appreciate the way Jason read that and brought that, that emphasis out on the latter part there of chapter 1 in Genesis. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. Familiar verses, and we hear them many times, that we are created in the image of God. Now, I don't know how it is for you, but sometimes when you hear a subject or someone speak on something, that it kind of impacts you on, on a, in a different way or hits you in a new way. And recently, that, that very thing happened, this, this thing of being created in his image kind of hit me in a, in a new way. And so this morning I was inspired to preach about that. We are God's image bearers. Each one of you that is sitting here this morning was created in God's image. No matter what color or race, you are created in God's image. The person born with disabilities, defects, and handicaps is created in God's image. The person that has emotional struggles or that homeless person is created in God's image. In 2003, there was a 19-year-old boy was looking through the garbage cans at 2.30 in the morning. And he was extremely malnourished and underweight. And when the police investigated, they found in their home there were seven children. Three of them were well-fed and healthy. The four boys were extremely neglected and, and grossly neglected and, and underweight, extremely underweight. The four of them 
ages 9 to 19, with their weights combined, was 136 pounds, ranging from 23 to 45 pounds each. They also were created in God's image. Now we look at a situation like that and we wonder, how can that be? How can someone get so low or negligent in caring for their own children? And yet, when we begin to understand the truth of the gods that we are created in God's image, that has an impact on us. Somebody did not grasp that truth, that all people are created in God's image. And when this truth really grasps us, we understand, or we understand why, or how that all people are created in God's image. It, it affects the way that we treat people. It affects the way that we love people and the way that we relate to people. Genesis 1:26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so we say that we are created in his likeness. And the big question that we ask over and over again, what does God look like? If we are created in his image, what does God look like? Now, I can't stand up here and show you a picture of God. I don't have a picture of God. So what does God look like? I'm sure we would have various opinions and ideas about this. We have an idea of what Jesus looked like. Scriptures paints a picture of what he looks like. But God, what does he look like? I remember as a child thinking God would need to be this huge person. Just big hands and big feet and you know he's bigger than everything. So you look at a tall mountain and God bigger than that. Even, even Moses, a man that communicated with God numerous times, wanted to desperately see God face to face. And he asked to see his face. And God said, you can't see my face and live. But he said, he put him in the cliff of the rock and he passed over him and he said he's going to allow him to see his back parts, which I tend to think may have only been God's shadow. But what does God look like? And so I wonder what you're thinking. What does God look like? Since we are made in the image of God, does that mean that we look like God? Does that mean that by looking at a person, you can determine what, a, what God looks like? Does God have hands and feet and fingers and a nose? John 4.24 tells us that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
So if God is a spirit, what then does it mean that we're created in his image? And we have, historically, we've heard many different ideas that is like our mortality, or it's our morality, our sense of right and wrong, our ability to reason, or spirituality. And it's our ability to relate to God. And I think that all these are true in aspects of what it means to be in God's image. Maybe another simple or practical way of saying it is images are created to image. Does that make sense? Images are created to image. If you create an image, you have a sculpture of someone. You do it to display something about that someone. Sometimes at a museum or a town square, you will see a, a sculpture or an image. And it is there to display or reflect or communicate who he is and how great he is or what he has accomplished or what he is like. And it's there so that we recognize who the person was. To think about that person, to think of something about them, that they were wise and courageous and something significant. Now what would it mean if you created seven billion statues of yourself and put them all over the world? Think about that. And even all the people that lived before that. And God says, he created them in his image. So do we see God this morning? You look around, you, you see a different image everywhere you look. I don't know that we, you and I necessarily look like God. But on the other hand, we were created with characteristics like God. And you and I have a spirit and have been created in the image of God. Being made in the image of God does not mean that we are God or that we are exactly like God. But I think it means that the very essence of our being has been patterned after him. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that image that they were to bear was marred. It was disfigured. I don't think it was totally destroyed, but it was disfigured. And it affected their relationship with God. And the curse that was put on mankind affects us today yet. Later on, after the flood, God confirmed with Noah that we are still created in his image. That fact did not change. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Here God reminded Noah about the sanctity of life and man's worth and value of being created in his image. And so to attack a person is really to attack God through his image bearer. And the New Testament also confirms that God's image isn't lost by pointing that 
pointing out that all people, not just Christians, are made in the likeness of God. James 3.9 would bring this thought out. And this is in the ESV. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. You know, as people, we do that with our tongues. We, we bless and we curse. But these are people that are created in the image of God. And these verses that I just read remind us that how we treat people is an indication of how we value God. An important question that we ask, or maybe we could say it's a simple question, but at times we ask ourselves, or it's good to ask ourselves, who am I? Who are you? Because how we see ourselves or what we believe about our identity impacts so much of how we live our lives and how we treat others and how we even treat ourselves. The thought behind a lot of religions is to, is to help people figure out who they are. Think about that. A lot of religions do that. They want to help people figure out, help people figure out who they are, who they are meant to be and, and how to get there. As believers, it is important to know who we are in Christ and that we are created in the image of God. I believe this is very foundational to our, our belief, to our faith, to know that, to understand that. And I believe what we know about God can help us to better understand ourselves. And I want to look at five different characteristics or attributes that God has. And God has these in totality, and he gives us them in measure. And the first one that... We, I want to bring out is from Genesis chapter 1. God is creative. Jason read that portion there and how each day God created the first number of days there, how God created something each day. God was extremely creative in the way that he formed everything. The seas, the fish, the water, the animals, the trees, and the vastness of the universe. God is creative. Very creative. Job had a way of bringing that out a number of times. Job 12, 7 through 9 says, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? Job marvels over and over again at God's creation and the marvel of it. God is creative. And when, he, when God created man, he blessed them and gave them the, the command to procreate new life through, through the marriage union. And then he gave them dominion over the earth. That is the responsibility that we have as mankind. And you and I being in the image of God are also creative. They are I see you, I, I look across the, the, the crowd here, and there is creative people here. God has given each one of you different gifts and talents. Some of you are artistic, some are poetic, some of you are good at cooking or have a good talent of that or, or landscaping or some other trade. But you are creative, 
because you're created in God's image. Our creativity is not something that we have on our own, but only because we're created in God's image and he is creative. And our talents are necessarily something to brag about, but it is a gift from God flowing out of the qualities and characteristics that he placed in us when he created us in his image. The second thing is that God is sovereign. And God is, has more power than you and I can ever imagine. His power was put to work when he spoke creation into being. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Simply astounding that God spoke everything into life. Daniel 4.35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's sovereign. How are we sovereign? Not even close, are we? And yet God gives us that in measure. By making us in his image, he gave us power also. We have free will and have been given dominion over creation. Yes, God has complete sovereignty. We only have it in part. But we have the power to choose to make choices in our lives. We have the power to choose good and evil. We can't choose what another person will do. But we can make choices that will drastically impact the life of another person. No, we can't choose for them. But the choices that we make can impact what others do. God is sovereign. God is love. And these things that I'm mentioning here, we could go, you could have a sermon on each one of them. But God is love. And scripture continually refers to his unfailing love, his unending love, his grace, his mercy. And it was really his love that caused him to create. And his love for man caused him to redeem mankind through the death of Jesus on the cross. Over and over again, we see God's hand at work throughout history because of his love for his people. Psalm 86, 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn with me to 1 John. I'm going to read a few verses there. 1 John chapter 4. We know recently we've gone through this book in Sunday school. And we're all, I think we're all aware of how much this book talks about love. Over and over again, he emphasizes that. God's love for us, God's, and then how that impacts the way that we love others also. 1 John 4, 16 through 21. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Being created in God's image means that we love. John makes that very clear in this book. And at times, I think we doubt the love of God because of the relationships we have with others. Broken relationships, hurts from others, or even our own bad choices can cause us to doubt why God would choose to love me. If I can't accept the way that God has made me, it is difficult to live out who he wants me to be. If I can't accept who I am and how God has made me, it makes it difficult to live out who he wants me to be. We are motivated by our love for God and love for others. Jesus tells us that in the greatest commandments and Merlin alluded to them in his devotional this morning love the Lord your God with all your heart your mind your soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself the two greatest commandments God is love the fourth one God is relational and even the Trinity reveals this about the nature of God being revealed to us in, in three distinct persons demonstrates his relational nature. God is the Father, he's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they have always been in relationship with each other, even before time, as we know time. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You and I are created in the image of God and are created as relational beings. We, we are created to be in relationship with God and with each other. This is very vital for everyone. Our faith is to be lived out in our homes, in our families, in our church, and even broader than that, in the community. And our paths are, are to be directed by an ongoing relationship with our Heavenly Father through the Son, empowered by the Spirit, the three working together as one, relational. Being relational means that we are focused on the needs of others and allowing our lives to interact with theirs in redemptive ways, redemptive transformational ways. There's something about it. We all have a deep yearning to be loved and to belong. We all have that within us. God has instilled in each of us a desire to be connected, to be loved, 
and to know that we are cared for. And sometimes I think that we want to run from some of that. We don't think we deserve love because of something that we've done. And yet there's something within each one of us. We want to be loved and we want to know that we belong. And as homes, as families, that's where it starts. It starts there. It's in the church and it's in the community. To love and to know that you belong. We all have that deep yearning and desire. God is holy. We read God's command to be holy because he is holy. Leviticus 11.44, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. That's what God says. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Hebrews 12.14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness. God is holy. He requires that we're holy. And God does not expect us to do something that we cannot do. And yes, we can be holy, not on our own, but because of God and being created in his image. We have been patterned after the holiness of God. And it is because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden that we struggle to, to fully display the image of God in our own lives. And yet we were created to be holy beings. And our holiness is not only for our own sake, but also for the sake of others. And ultimately for us to bring glory to God. God says, be you holy for I am holy. Now we are all different. From, from all the creation, from all the other creation that God created. We're different because we are created in the image of God. And as Jason was reading there in Genesis 1, it, it kind of has a rhythm from each day, from one day to the next. I created this and it was good. The evening, the morning, or the, or the first day, I created this and it was good. The evening and the morning was the second day. You have that on through. Same thing. And it was good. And it was good. And like Jason said, when he comes to man, all of a sudden there's a conversation. And it seems to come alive. Here you have God. And he says, let us make man. It was the Godhead. He said, let us. All of a sudden it is an us and a we and an our. Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. There's a conversation in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think God got excited. He was creating his image. And in part, he was showing forth his glory. And he was instilling that on man. I don't know if I fully understand all this. And God's plan of creating us in his image. God placed his crown jewel of creation, men and women, made in his image. And then the capacity to reign and to rule. 
the earth as his representatives. And that is what sets us apart from all other creation. We have a tremendous value because of the image God has given to us. And it is a gift from God. And it should shape how we view humanity. Because who we think we are determines how we live our life. And when we understand who God created us and wants to recreate us to be, then our true identity will give our life the kind of purpose that God wants us to have. Who we think we are determines how we live our life. Because you are what you think, and not what you think you are. You are what you think. So that has a huge impact on what you think in the way that you're going to live your life. It's so obvious around us. Society and the way that people think, it determines how they live. Value comes from the image. Tom Hughes said it this way, the value of U.S. $100 bill is not based on where it has been or how it has been used. Its value is not determined by its shape, size, or color. A $1 bill in American currency has the same shape, size, and color as a $100 bill. If you want to know what the bill is worth, what matters is whose image is on it. George Washington's image tells us that it is a $1 bill that we're holding. If we have a bill with the image of Benjamin Franklin, then we know that we are holding a $100 bill. How do you determine what you are worth? You need to know whose image you bear. How much is a crisp, clean $100 bill worth? $100, right? How much is a dirty, crumbled, hidden $100 bill worth? It's the same, right? It's still $100. Why? The image might be in need of restoration and cleansing, but it is still there. And so it is for you and I. What are you worth? We all bear the image of God. And Romans 8.29 reminds us that we are being conformed to the image of his son. And Jesus is the perfect representative of the image of God. And we are being made like him. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are the image of God, and he created us, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his Son. So whether you're a crisp $100 bill or a crumbled up $100 bill, what are you worth? It's the same in God's eyes. The thing that I want to leave with us, that as believers, it is an ongoing process being conformed to the image of his son. 
And I trust that we can continue to do that, being conformed to the image of his son. Jesus made it possible for us to be restored again, to have a perfect relationship with God. And we look forward to one day having new bodies. We live in these bodies today. But one day, we're going to have new bodies. And until then, let's keep being conformed to the image of his son. And one day, we can stand before God. These bodies are going to be gone. They're not worth anything. There's one aspect I did not touch on. And that is that God, how were we, how were we created? How were you formed? Dust. You're dust. We were made from dust. And yet God takes that. And he says we're created in his image. God created us with dust. And these bodies, they're going to go back to dust. But one day our spirit and our soul is going to be gone with, with Jesus. We're going to receive our new bodies. Bodies that are made from dust. And yet we bear the image of God. I find that fascinating and a miracle. That God bears his image through us. And he had a plan in bringing us back to himself. And so I think being created in the image of God means that we image God. We reflect God. We live in a way, we think in a way, and we speak in a way that calls attention to the brightness of the glory of God. Kneel with me for a word of prayer.